This episode is brought to you in part by Alora Farinway's debut single, Riding a Tiger, available wherever you get your music. Alora Farinway is a young Canadian singer-songwriter who creates dreamy folk pop with the hope of transporting her listeners to another world. As someone who struggles with depersonalization and derealization disorders, conditions where you feel outside of yourself, you don't feel real, where the world around you isn't real and you're floating through life, her felt experience carries over into her music. Her lyrics and soundscapes imitate a dream and invite the listener into a world of color, glowing crystals, and often friendly animals. You can check out Riding a Tiger by Alora Farinway, available on every major music platform, and follow her on Instagram at Alora Farinway for a splash of color in your feed. Visit alorafarinway.com for links to everything, or hit the link in the description of this episode to find out more. This episode of the Upper Discussion Podcast is brought to you in part by Whiskey Lane. Launched in Kelowna, BC, and now expanding to Montreal, Whiskey Lane is on a mission to share their obsession with quality food and drinks with growing audiences by keeping the best local flavors on their minds and on their tongues. No matter what your business needs to grow, Whiskey Lane knows how to make it happen. Whiskey Lane, bringing long lines to the producers of specialty food and drinks. Go to whiskeylane.ca to find out more. And that's Whiskey the Canadian way, without an E. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 2 of the Up for Discussion Tournament of Champions Season 2 Watch Along. I'm Tom Zalatni. I'm Matt Cole. And uh, we are, of course, here today to once again uh, give our feedback, I guess, response. What do you call that? Our post-show rundown of uh, Guy Fieri's Tournament of Champions on the Food Network. We're talking today about the East Coast wildcard play-in rounds, uh, where four chefs representing the East Coast combat each other for uh, the final coveted spot in the top 16 on this year's Tournament of Champions. So Matt, do you want to talk about who the four competitors are real quick? Yeah, sure. Uh, So the four competitors from last night's episode, last night when we're recording it, but this week's episode were cliff crooks tiffany Faison, bobby marcotte and elizabeth faulkner so cliff crooks is the host of chef boot camp or something like that a show that i hadn't heard of that sounds right tiffany Faison was the first runner up on iron chef i think or top something chef i think top, top chef, chef. Yeah. yes you're so right it's top chef Top Chef, excuse me. Top Shelf. Um, Bobby, <laughs> it's twice in a row shelf. you've called it Top Shelf. Uh, Bobby Marcotte is the uh, most visited restaurant owner on Triple D and the winner of the Triple G, Triple D tournament. And Elizabeth Faulkner is Elizabeth Faulkner and has been on a whole bunch of stuff. <laughs> That's right. Uh, most notably, Elizabeth Faulkner was uh, the only person in the play-in rounds who was also a competitor on last season and uh, had to come back and fight for her right to party. And, and fight she did. I don't, I don't love that I said that. I don't know. I kind of liked it. Yeah. it was, I'm, I'm here for the Beastie Boys. All right. All right. Well, speaking of Beastie Boys, let's get into the first round. Our first round matchup was between Cliff and Tiff. We got Cliffity Crook. Wowee. <laughs> 
You got it. Cliffity and Tiff. Cliffity Crooks and Tiffy Faison. That's what I call them. Oh, boy. <laughs> and uh, so our first round matchup is Cliff Crooks against Tiffany Faison. Faison? 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 Um, I I have been saying uh, Faison because I'm. it's spelled the same way as Donald Faison. Oh. And that's how Donald Faison pronounces his last name. Okay, and I'm pretty sure... I don't think sure they're related, but... I, th- I think that's how Guy was saying it on the show, so... <laughs> That's, okay, cool. Phase on it is. Phase on. Perfect. Uh, so, Cliff Kirks, Tiffany Phase on, uh, and our randomizer challenge for the first round. So, we'll remind you guys uh, the way that we've been doing this is for each round, we read out the randomizer, we talk about what we each individually would have done, and then we talk a little bit about the breakdown of the judging, etc., of the actual plates. So, for the first round, the randomizer gave us pork chops, peas, the french fry press, and Italian dinner, all to be done in 30 minutes. Matt, what would you have done with this? So my go-to for this one, and I gotta say, like, I was, I didn't love this randomizer. I just, I don't like a lot of Italian food, and I thought overall it it was kind of, kind of meh, but uh, I jumped to, like, a pork marinara or a pork parmesan, Um, you know, like, taking that pork, thinning it out, breading it. I would probably, like, pan fry it, um, melt some cheese, do some sauce, peas on the side. I didn't really, like, get around anything that I would definitely put in a French fry press, but I also feel like finding a vegetable and putting it in a French fry press is not that complicated. Sure. So, <laughs> so with with some French fry press garnish, that was my thought. What about you? Yeah, I... Uh... I went a real similar direction because um, as soon as I see meat and uh, <laughs> honestly, just as soon as I see meat, my brain immediately goes, how can I pound that out and fry it? <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I, I immediately started thinking about chicken parm because I was like, OK, I uh, I don't I don't really want to like grind the pork and turn it into like a ground pork for some kind of sauce um what's like a you know italian dish that i know that's not pasta oh i know chicken parm and i thought okay we can do a pork version of chicken parm so you know basically pork milanese that tiffany Faison made honestly most of my dish for this one was not too different from hers just executed a little differently uh, and we can get into that in a minute but i was going to do a uh yeah a breaded pounded pork chop um i would make the peas into a pesto because we've done pea pesto here before yeah i like that it's really good it works really really well and then uh, i actually was gonna do fennel fries with rosemary and parm on the fries themselves uh so rather than trying to introduce french fries into this situation because that feels weird i class it up a little bit with fennel that uh Fennel is nice in Italian food because fennel seed is one of the spices that is kind of a key spice in Italian sausages, typically. Uh, And I really like the idea of, well, if we're not doing Italian sausage with the pork, but we still want that flavor to come through, having the actual fennel vegetable uh, cut up into sort of French fry shape uh, and then dusted with parm and uh, rosemary. Yeah, that's good. I like that. My dish and thought was also very similar to Tiffany Faison's. Um, I did like that Cliff used the French fry press on his onions. I thought that was a good usage of that that kitchen tool uh, and a good way to chop some onions. But yeah. I like I like all the things you said. I would not have thought of pea pesto, but that's very good. Yeah, I honestly like uh, <laughs> shout out to my partner Teffer for making pea pesto like once in the past year because it made me have that idea in my mind, and I was like, oh, I like this. It it's like a pea puree, but like slightly elevated into you know, a sauce form 
instead of just being a goop. Yeah, right. Because like I, you know, I don't dislike peas. I'm very fine about peas because <laughs> I think that that's about all that peas ever are is fine. Sure. And pea puree is basically just baby food. Like, yeah. That I don't know what to call it other than baby food. And you know, I get that it goes with the Italian dinner and that's probably all that I would have come up with either but I still had a hard time of thinking of pea puree as not baby food yeah I had trouble with that because honestly I don't even know that like a pea puree particularly goes with an Italian dinner so much as just like it is what you can do with peas to make them kind of elegant right (laughs) yeah and I've had plenty of pasta with peas on them Mm -hmm. you know I like peas to me is an easy italian dinner side dish but again it's because it's just like a fine vegetable to put with anything right and you can mix it in a pasta and it doesn't really do anything for the flavor so yeah i i had kind of a hard time with this randomizer overall i thought it was just kind of a like a a dud of a randomizer spin yeah i uh i'm gonna be honest not to spoil too much about this episode but i i actually didn't love any of the randomizer matchups that we got today yeah i thought that um the west coast play in bracket last week's episode the randomizer was on a way better game than it was <laughs> this week I, I was pretty underwhelmed yeah but you know sometimes that's what happens when you get things randomized and you got to do what you got to do and in all fairness tiffany managed to pull off a 90 as her score and i think it is incredible that that happened because i i kind of feel like um well let's let's talk about who the judges are for a second nancy silverton jonathan waxman and tracy desjardins and uh nancy pretty much immediately was like oh i love this the only complaint i have about the pork is that it's like too perfectly even in the way that it's been breaded and that makes it inauthentic to the dish and i think it's very funny that tiffany got a 90 because i think in my mind that means that tiffany got a perfect score and nancy silverton just took 10 points away from her for using (laughs) too even a breadcrumb spreading yeah i definitely knew pretty early on that this was tiffany's game to win Honestly, like, the moment that it got me was when Cliff didn't tenderize the pork chops. He just butterflied them. I was like, there's no way those are going to get cooked in 30 minutes. And if they do get cooked, they're not going to be cooked with a ton of flavor. The, The comment that really sold me was Nancy saying about Cliff's dish that she missed the sweet and sour tones mm-hmm. um, that he was going for, which was really what he was banking his whole dish on. And... Again, yeah, all she said about Tiffany's was that the panko was too uniform, which, like, all right, whatever, yeah. Nancy Silverton. That, like, I have never heard such a pretentious judging thing off of Chopped. Like, oh that's God. the sort of shit reserved for Chopped. <laughs> I love it comes back in the in the next round that Tiffany's in that Nancy starts judging and Tiffany just, like, rolls her eyes at her immediately <laughs> and i was like yeah that's that's a mood yeah that's how i felt too <laughs> um so yeah obviously uh tiffany pulls this one out with a 90 over cliff's 85 but they point out that those are the two highest scores anyone's gotten so far in the uh play in tournament and they continue to be the two highest scores throughout the rest of this episode which is real impressive and cliff should feel good about himself for that even though he lost yeah definitely i didn't have much to say about cliff's cooking good or bad um i mean i it looked good i would eat it but as far as competition cooking goes i didn't think it was too creative or wild but i certainly if i were cliff crooks which i am not 
I would not feel bad about my performance on <laughs> Tournament of Champions. No, exactly. I uh, the only thing that I like that pinged for me about his that I thought was exciting was um, he did have Calabrian Chili in there, and I do love me some Calabrian Chili. Yeah, that was a good pull. Uh, should we move on to the second round? Yeah, let's do it. Uh, so for the second round, it was Triple D Chef Bobby Marcotte up against Food Network Chef Elizabeth Faulkner, and the randomizer for Battle 2 was Italian Sausage, Cauliflower, and I refuse to pronounce it the way Guy Fieri pronounces it because it's perverse and wrong. A mortar and pestle and a steakhouse dinner and again 30 minutes for the wild card play. With that said, what would you go for for that randomizer? Yeah, so for me, when I think steakhouse dinner, I don't think sausage. I I think if you go to a steakhouse and you order sausage, you're wrong. You're ordering wrong at a steakhouse if you go in there asking for Italian sausage. But, you know, whatever. We got to figure out how to make it work. You got to figure out how to make a good steakhouse dinner with Italian sausage as your protein. Um, I initially started thinking about like, oh, you know, maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll do like a surf and turf. But the the turf is sausage. And I like got really in my head about it. And then I realized, no, no, take a step back. What would you actually do if you were making a steakhouse dinner and just replacing your steak with sausages? And I said, okay, cool. I would grill the sausages using, in fact, the same technique that uh, Bobby used in this, which was uh, as he was grilling them, he poked a bunch of holes in them to let the moisture kind of evaporate out while still keeping the juices in, which I think is a really smart move and gets the sausage cooked better than uh, than it would otherwise without like splitting too much mashed potatoes but i put air quotes around mashed potatoes because it would actually be cauliflower cauliflower fennel and celery root all mimic potato texture really nicely if you blend them together um and get that nice and creamy and then uh, i would also do cauliflower a second way on the side chopped up and sauteed with some button mushrooms in garlic butter with black pepper and thyme you also pronounce cauliflower in a really upsetting way i don't like that very much (laughs) um but interestingly enough i had the exact same thing written down that I would do hot sausage and cauliflower mash. Yep. <laughs> um, because I, on the other hand, like I love Italian sausage and uh, you know, where I grew up in a Polish area of Pittsburgh, sausage was everywhere in everything all the time. Mm-hmm. So sausage is always an acceptable order, you know, whether you're at a steakhouse or your Nona's house, it doesn't matter. You can always get sausage. And I think I would have done more of like a sausage and pepper, you know, like I probably would have grilled the sausages with that same technique, but then I think I probably would have butterflied them, pan seared the inside and then cooked that with a whole bunch of hot peppers and done like a hot sausage plate. And then also with like a really creamy cauliflower mashed potato on the side and I had also thought about doing cauliflower two ways, but doing a deep fried cauliflower and okay. doing the cauliflower fries. Because in my in my brain, steakhouse dinner is meat, potato, vegetable. Sure. Meat, potato, vegetable, asterisk, applesauce, if they've got it, <laughs> but meat, potato, vegetable. And so I think like sausage, pepper, and then you make your cauliflower the potato and, mm. and you take it the whole way to town. Hell yeah, I love that. That joke lost its punchline, but it doesn't matter. That's what I would cook anyway. Yeah, no, I mean, that sounds great. Yeah, it's interesting um, because I think you're right that like steakhouse dinner is like meat, veg, potato, right? And like potentially some sauces. Like I think about um, 
Do you guys have Baton Rouge where you are, or Baton Rouge? I guess. No, not if not unless I'm going to Louisiana. We don't. Sure. Yeah. So so up here in Montreal, Baton Rouge is a uh, steakhouse chain that uh, I mean it's it's kind of a standard steakhouse chain. I think you know you you get beef of various sizes you can also get shrimp and chicken breast if you're not up for beef that night and usually it's like okay yeah whatever size steak you're getting you're also getting you know garlic mashed potatoes and like seasonal vegetables and uh the mushroom thing that i described except minus cauliflower because that was just me using the ingredient um but they also usually serve it with this really beautiful peppercorn sauce that's like almost a gravy and uh, i wish i'd thought about that because i think that would also elevate this yeah i think you could really you know, because, like, mortar and pestle is fine. You can throw a lot of things in a mortar and pestle, but I th- yeah. think that it would be cool to do a spice blend in your mortar and, mortar and pestle with, like, a cracked pepper yeah. and then mix that into a gravy, and I think that would be a really good usage of that and just just dress all of that with gravy slop. Yeah, absolutely. That's it. I, I think it's interesting. So what uh, what Faulkner and Bobby did in this round, I so Elizabeth Faulkner did cauliflower steak um, and like a ragu with, you know, the sausage and vegetables and stuff. And it looked really good. You know, as far as cauliflower steaks go, it looked really, really wonderful. Like I would have eaten it. Um, and I don't really love cauliflower steak. Uh, and then Bobby did, uh, honestly, something not too far from what we were talking about, you know, grilled sausages, puree, etc. Um, but Bobby's plate to me looked a lot more like a steakhouse plate in terms of like compositionally. Like he had his sausages and everything plated up with all of the sides just kind of like piled on the plate kind of coming out from the sides of it and i thought that was really like aesthetically that's kind of what i want you know yeah i totally agree i guess not to spoil the ending but elizabeth faulkner beat bobby marcotte in this round 79 to 74 (laughs) and i was pretty shocked might be the wrong word because i kind of got the feeling that she had it but i didn't agree with it right and i a lot of it comes back to that like I didn't think Elizabeth Faulkner's red steakhouse dinner mm-hmm. and I thought that the sausage ragu was a good way to use the sausage but as it is your focus protein I feel like you've got to make it more than just effectively sauce yeah you know cuz like she made a meat sauce and <laughs> she put a meat sauce on cauliflower but I don't know that that Italian sausage really like plays through in that Right. And I agree. I thought Bobby's was way more of a steakhouse plate. You know, the big steakhouse around us chain wise is Texas Roadhouse, which that's not in Canada, is it? Uh, No, I don't think so. I mean, it's it's a steakhouse ass steakhouse. Yeah. But it's the same thing. Like I get an 11 ounce steak, a side salad and cheese fries pretty much every time I go to Texas Roadhouse and sometimes a giant fried onion that gives me high cholesterol (laughs) but if you don't have your main protein which even for elizabeth faulkner like sure it's cauliflower steak call it your protein fine whatever but you need your main protein you need at least two sides and then like you probably need a draft beer to have a steakhouse dinner and so i just really felt like hers didn't read that way and i was kind of disappointed that she made it through that challenge Sure, yeah. Yeah, I can't blame you. Although it does put us in a situation that I like, which is that going into the third round, we are guaranteed that whoever 
wins it for the East Coast is a lesbian, which I like. I do like seeing more queer representation on the Food Network because I think that there are a lot of like, I'm a married mom and a lot of like, I'm a straight guy who likes to eat bacon. And I, uh, I you know, whether it was going to be Faulkner or Faison, I was happy. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm all all for representation. I think that's hilarious. I didn't even didn't even think of that. I was like, oh yeah, Tom's right. You know, it, either way, they were going to be a woman. I did not expect lesbian to be the end of that sentence, <laughs> but I'm glad that it was. I wanted to catch you off guard a little bit. You did it. You nailed it. <laughs> so yeah, of course, uh, our final round for this episode to determine who wins uh, the coveted spot in the tournament uh, is between Tiffany Faison and Elizabeth Faulkner. Um, and the randomizer gave us tri-tip steak, broccoli, a panini press and hot lunch to do in 30 minutes. And uh, if that doesn't immediately call for a pressed sandwich, I really don't know what does. You can't get panini press and hot lunch and not do sandwich. Yeah. I mean, that's the only option. But (laughs) tri-tip and, okay, tri-tip, hot lunch, panini press, you got to make like a wet steak dip, right? Like that's, that was the the first thing I thought of. It was the only thing I thought of. It's the only thing I would have done shave that tri-tip down, do it a little under, put it on a on a bread, put some cheese in there, press it, melt it, make it au jus, dip it on the plate, done. You know, like French dip sandwich, steak sandwich, hot beef, wet beef, whatever you call it, in whatever corner of Pennsylvania you're living in. <laughs> um, that is absolutely what I, I thought of right off the bat. And then like, yeah, whatever, broccoli's fine. I don't know, tempura broccoli. I hate broccoli, so I just would have <laughs> done something with it, I guess. That's fair. Yeah, I um, I saw this one and was like, well, I'm not inspired, but I know what I would do because I know I know what I would do in order to like feel confident that I was doing something good, but I would also feel like it's really safe, you know? Um, and so I did try to think a little bit about like, how could you use the panini press to not make a sandwich, like if you wanted to omit bread from this. Uh, and this is not what I wrote down that I would do, but it's a it's a thought experiment I did. And I think like it would be interesting to try and char your broccoli using the panini press and then just like make a steak, excuse me, make your steak into something like in a little box meal instead of being a, uh, a sandwich. But I didn't go that direction because I, I didn't want to have to figure out how to make tri-tip for purposes other than sandwiches so i went the same direction as you basically and uh you know um slightly different though i think um mine is i think maybe slightly more like what faulkner did and yours is maybe slightly more like what tiffany did yeah i definitely as tiffany was cooking was like yeah i mean that's it that's that's Mm. the move for sure (laughs) that's it i think we're we're where you're kind of going the direction of the like meaty dip sandwich. I'm actually, I think going more direction of kind of a crunchy sandwich. Um, I guess more of a panini. So I would do chipotle steak. Um, so, you know, take that tri-tip and season it, you know, chipotle style. Um, and then, uh, I would use the panini press obviously to make a panini out of it. Probably put some like maybe pepper jack or something in there as the cheese, uh, something with a little bit of a flavor to it, but not too like intense. Um, and then with the broccoli, (laughs) So for the listeners, Matt and I met at PodCon 2 in Seattle back in uh, uh, 2018, 2019. 2018, I think. 2019. 2019. 2019. Because uh, Toby was two months old. So it was 2019. Time is a flat circle. Yeah. So we met in 2019 in Seattle. And um, there is a hotel across the street from the Seattle Convention Center that... Uh, <laughs> 
I stayed at and the hotel restaurant I wish I could remember the name of it. I think it's the Daily Grill um I'll call it that the Daily the Daily Grill had this peanut slaw on the uh on the menu that was like you know whole like salted peanuts uh as an ingredient and then like you know cabbage and broccoli and things like that um and the broccoli and the peanuts together were really nice and it was like spicy and super delicious and I think I would love to make that like spicy peanut broccoli slaw as the side for my like chipotle steak sandwich oh that's good that's that's a solid idea i actually was talking to maddie the other day we went out to lunch to like a teriyaki place and got these teriyaki bowls and you know the the option is vegetables or no vegetables and you can (laughs) of course pick what vegetables out of the vegetable option you want but it's not like you know listed on the menu board or anything like that to go through and pick your individual vegetables and I think if you would have asked me probably 16 months ago, 18 months ago, I would have gone no vegetables. And I was talking to Maddie the other day about how much I've grown as a person because I ordered my teriyaki bowl with vegetables, just no broccoli. And broccoli is like the one vegetable that no matter how many times I've tried to come around on it, I just can't get there. Sure. I just don't like it. And um, so as soon as it came up as a, a randomizer. I was like, yeah, I don't know. Like broccoli, you just make it or whatever, (laughs) steam it, put it in cheese. I don't know. Broccoli, just it's broccoli. I mean, putting it in cheese is the move. Yeah. That's the only way I've ever seen broccoli look appetizing. (laughs) I've never eaten it, but it's fine. I don't know. I just hate broccoli. You've never had it in a slaw. I feel like broccoli slaw is a thing. Not that I've ever eaten. I mean, I literally, I have been adventurous about vegetables for like six months. Fair enough. I've been a long time anti-vegetable kind of guy. Um, But now I eat like peppers and onions and cabbage and shit. So I just, ah, man, broccoli just feels like biting a flower. And I don't like it. Fair enough. I uh, I've never had any issues with specific vegetables. I've never been a huge vegetable person in terms of like seeking them out actively. Like I've always been a lot more like give me bread, cheese, carbs, meat. But like I like vegetables. Uh, but I, I I also feel like in the past like year I've had a lot more vegetable just in my diet, and that's just because Teffer really likes vegetables. So like we just eat a lot more of them than when I was a bachelor. You know, that's not in the past year. That's in the past, like, four years, but you know how time works. (laughs) Time is nothing. Yeah, I super do. I mean, I'm the same way with Maddie. Like, if Maddie hadn't pushed me to expand my palate, I don't know that I ever would have. Because there have always been my handful of vegetables that I like. Corn, peas, carrots, lettuce, Basically, I was going to say anything you can find frozen in a bag at the grocery store, but then you said lettuce, and (laughs) I don't know. it's in a bag it's just not frozen but yeah i mean like frozen frozen vegetables and salad fodder has pretty much been my my venture into vegetables um until i really started letting maddie cook because for the longest time too like you know she's always made vegetables and stuff for herself and i've just kind of left them off the plate but i actually got pulled in through peppers and realized how much I like different kinds of peppers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then it was like, well, if I like peppers, I probably like other things. And it turns out <laughs> that I do. But I have tried broccoli recently and still... <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Have you tried parsnips? Parsnips? No. Okay. No? Is, is parsnips a vegetable? I thought parsnips was a root. Well, it's a. I mean, it's like a, it's the same as a carrot. It's whatever a carrot is. 
Oh, okay. Yeah. No. I, uh, I have carrots. Is that close enough? If you like carrots, give parsnips a shot because they're not carrots. But I want to know what you think of them. <laughs> okay. I mean, if life ever leads me to parsnips, I won't tell it no. Um, oh, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so yeah. So, all that being said, we uh, we got a couple sandwiches. We got to watch people eat some sandwiches. Um, <laughs> I... Uh, I got really thrown off during this one because while we were watching them cook, I was like, there's no way that Tiffany is going to win this because guy went over to her at one point and was like, is your steak cooked? And she was like, no, it's not. And was clearly really upset about it. And I was like, okay, so her steak's not going to be cooked enough. Uh, But then that was salvaged because it was a dip. So whatever. But then she takes her sandwich out of the panini press and starts hitting it with the blowtorch to like, you know, toast the bread. And I was like, okay, the second the t- blowtorch comes out, there's no fucking way this is going to happen. She's not going to. She's not going to win this. And then she won it. Yeah, <laughs> by a I considerable also, number of points. I also was like, there. I don't know. I think Elizabeth has got it. But Elizabeth also blow to- blow torched her sandwiches, and I thought that. So like, I love me a good patty melt. I'm all about patty melts. Patty melts are delicious. Sure. But I thought that. Tiffany's sandwich had some like some bulk to it and looked like a full meal and even though Elizabeth put more on the plate it felt less like I could call it a full lunch mm-hmm. and I think it's because those patty melts were really small yeah uh, and so when you got really small bread that's hot and soggy <laughs> and you just torch the top of it i don't i don't know that there's much there for you and like at least tiffany did hers on ciabatta and at least with ciabatta even if you don't get the good char from the panini press it's still got some density to the bread right yeah and i think that crunch. really saved her that's it you you get the crunch from the ciabatta and you need that i think in a good sandwich yeah i will say i really liked elizabeth faulkner putting the persimmon on her sandwich i will tell you i have no idea what a persimmon is i've never (laughs) heard of a persimmon before but um i like fruit (laughs) and putting seasonal fruit on sandwiches is good fruit sandwich i'm all about it sure yeah yeah persimmons are weird i uh i don't hate them but i don't like they don't do it for me at all like i kind of think of it as like halfway between a tomato and a citrus fruit in terms of like flavor profile and like it and like it's tomato level in terms of like how much actual flavor it packs when you take a bite out of it if you know what i mean oh i didn't spell that right at all um what did you do what did you do you got to tell me did you write parmesan no 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 in my notes i wrote persimmon as p-r-i-s-c-i-m-i-n-e question mark because i knew that wasn't right but i didn't know how it was wrong persimmon <laughs> i didn't know it was per simon thought it was persimmon <laughs> that's real good that's like almost does, a name <laughs> yeah it does look a lot like a tomato though um but like the inside looks more like a tangerine yeah yeah i don't know i don't like them they're not they're i mean i don't hate them I, they're just like they're nothing to me you know yeah yeah oh here's a Here's a chocolate persimmon. That just looks moldy. You shouldn't eat that. All right, I'm going to get off the Google image search of persimmon now that I know how to spell it correctly. It's fine. 
This week's episode is brought to you in part by an anonymous donation on behalf of Head & Hands. Head & Hands is a clinic in my neighborhood of NDG that's provided legal, medical, and social services to young people since the 1970s. Their goal is to provide preventative, inclusive, non-judgmental, and holistic resources for youth in Montreal to help the community at large. You can learn everything about what they're doing at headandhands.ca, and there's a link in the description of this episode for ease of access. If you're enjoying the show so far, make sure to hit subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're listening to so that you never miss a new episode. While you're at it, consider leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or sharing this episode with a friend. For every new rating and review I get during the month of March, I'll be donating $2 to The Depot, my local food bank here in Montreal. They can turn every $1 into $3, which means that your free rating and review does $6 of good for a family in need. You can read all about what The Depot is doing at the link in the description below. I also want to let you know that our network, the Upford Network, is in the middle of a massive fundraising campaign right now over on Indiegogo. At the time of recording, we've raised just under $2,800, which is super amazing. We've surpassed our original goal, and now we get to move on to our first stretch goal, where, if we can raise a total of $5,000, we'll be able to donate a full recording setup to two separate youth centers here in NDG. I am very excited to be able to tell you that we're partnering with the Walkley Center and the St. Raymond Center, two fantastic community-run organizations, to help them create space for the young people in our area to make their voices heard. It's been a dream of mine for a really long time to find ways to give back to my community through podcasting, and it feels really good to have finally found a concrete way to do that. But we can only do it with your help. So if you've got even a buck to spare, hit the Indiegogo link in the description of this episode and go donate. Help us reach that $5,000 goal. There are a lot of awesome perks up for grabs for you as well, and if money is too tight for you to make a financial donation, we also have a really great referral contest going on, where you can win over $200 worth of perks just by getting your friends to donate on your behalf. All the information about that is at the Indiegogo link in the description, or you can reach out to me directly to get a little bit of extra help. Help us make podcasting awesome and accessible in our neighborhood for years to come. All right, back to the show. So yeah, so that that settles it. That gives us our... Uh our east coast play-in winner for this uh this tournament our 16th competitor yeah so with that said we've got our whole bracket we do and i don't know if you have yours in front of you but i have mine in front of you and before we wrap today i want to talk through our brackets i do yes let's okay i you want to start top left sure yeah so first round of the west coast let's do west then east i guess yep yep all right. that is that is what top left would lead me to believe all right so uh so first round uh we have seed number one brooke williamson last year's champion against seed number eight naisha errington who won the uh play-in for the west coast this year um i've got naisha in this one just because uh i i hope to see naisha win this um just because i think i want to see more of her because i don't know enough about her and she really impressed me last time what are you thinking yeah i really like naisha and I learned last year that you should not bank on the one seed, but also Brooke Williamson. I mean, she's returning champion for one thing, but like she is a phenomenal competition cook. Like I look at Brooke Williamson in a very similar way to the way I look at Voltaggio, Michael Voltaggio, because I have to specify which one I'm talking about in the sense of like she gets items put in front of her and I don't understand how she thinks of the things that she thinks of. <laughs> Uh, so as much as I like Naisha and do want to see more of her, I put Brooke Williamson through for the first round. That's fair. Yeah. I, um, honestly, when I made this, uh, (laughs) when I made my bracket, uh, let me check what time of day it was. I should be able to find that by the tweet. It was seven hours ago, which was, uh, okay. It was eight 15 in the morning. So I had just gotten up. I was probably pooping if I'll be honest. Um, and I just kind of, uh, 
went like round by round with what my heart wanted, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And kind of on a gut reaction. Uh, so I'm ready for my bracket to be wrong, but I'll be happy if it's right. Uh, should we hit the second round? Definitely. Uh, between Kat Cora and Michael Voltaggio, I have Voltaggio all the way. I don't think that you can count Michael Voltaggio out in the first round. Um, also against Kat Cora, who has not competed in like a hot minute. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I think I agree with you. I still put Kat Cora for this one only because I have no idea what to expect from her. And my gut instinct was maybe she'll beat Michael Vataggio and I'll scream. Yeah, I mean, it's it would be cool. I don't think it's going to happen, but it would be cool. <laughs> yeah, that's where I'm at. Uh, so then next up is Jet Tila and Aaron May. Who'd mm-hmm. you have? Yeah, so I went Aaron May. I think I, I would not be surprised either way, honestly. I feel like they're going to have like a one-point differential between the two of them. I don't know. I went Aaron May. Yeah, I went Jet Tila, but I feel the same way. You know, like I'm not super married to that answer. And uh, last year's bracket, I felt way more strongly, and I was super wrong after, like, the first week. I don't think I got anybody right, but I felt very strongly about who I put through, and this year I feel kind of like I could go either way, and I I feel that way about Jet and Aaron. But I remember Jet got knocked out, I think, in the first round last year, Mm -hmm. and I I could really feel it from him that he had higher expectations from himself, so I'm, I'm kind of calling... Colin Jet, just in the sense of I think he's got he's got something to prove. Yeah, I I would believe that. I uh, I think the only reason that I like went Aaron May over Jet is because of the blind judging. Because I think that with the blind judging, I feel like Aaron has the potential to do something that will make the judges really really impressed. But I think that watching them compete, Jet will look like he is doing something much more impressive. Yeah, I would agree with that for sure. Uh, so our our last of the uh, first round for the uh, West Coast is second seed Antonio Lafaso against seventh seed Brian Malarkey, and uh, man, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I I spoilers. I have Antonio making it all the way to the fi- to the final on this one. Uh, I don't see Brian standing a ghost of a chance here unless the randomizer just happens to do something that Antonia's like, oh no! Like, I really don't think Brian has a chance. Yep, same and same. Uh, I also have Antonia going through the first round. And then I was going to say, I think since we are so different, it's probably easier just to say who we have from the West in the final. Mm -hmm. And that for me is also Antonia. I want it to be Brooke. I'd love to see Brooke win two years in a row. Uh, I do have Antonia and Brooke in the semifinal, but I I really think it's Brooke all the way, or I really think it's Antonia all the way. That's fair. I've got Antonia and Naisha in the semifinal, so I'm like more or less, yeah. Um, So should we go to the East Coast now? Yeah, yeah, let's move on to the East. So the first one is Amanda Freitag and newly entered Tiffany Faison. Amanda Freitag taking the first seed away from... Iron Chef Alex Gornishelli in the East Coast, and I thought that was interesting. But yeah. who do you have between Amanda and Tiffany? Oh man, so Amanda was the semi or was the runner up last season. Uh, she she was the one who lost out to Brooke in the final, and uh, for that reason alone, I really would love to see Amanda make it far this time. But I actually have Tiffany because I think I think Tiffany is. I, I think Tiffany's going to go really far in this thing. I don't know. I uh, 
I, that my bracket doesn't reflect that I'm noticing, but I, I would not be surprised. <laughs> like if Tiffany makes it to the final, I would not be surprised. She has, yeah. for me, she has the same spunk that Antonia Lafaso has, but packaged I agree. very differently. Yeah, I really, really like Tiffany. I really enjoyed watching her cook this week. And I also have her beating Amanda. Um, I think that she's got a really good head of what works in competition cooking. Yeah. You know, how to take something that not only looks good and tastes good, but really reads with the challenge, which I think is what did so well for her this week, putting her above Cliff and Elizabeth, because I just think she plays the game well. Yeah. And I think that that's really going to show through against Amanda, who I was surprised took it the whole way to the final last year. Not disappointed, but surprised. Sure. Yeah. Well, that's it. I, I think that's going to be a, a hell of a round because like Amanda, like really impressed me last year. Right. So who knows? But I, I think it's going to be Tiffany. Um, our next round, our next matchup rather is uh, Darnell Ferguson and Mark Murphy. Um, I think this one could go either way. Honestly, I think that if Darnell gets it, Tiffany's going to have a challenge ahead of her. <laughs> I think if Mark gets it, Tiffany will make it to the semis. <laughs> uh, I picked Darnell for this one. Same. Um, mostly because as much as I love, like I adore Mark Murphy. He's great and I yeah. love him, but like, he's just not the best at these competition shows, man. No, like, he just he's doesn't really do not. All that well. Yeah. Um, so I really, I really think Darnell's got him here. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, Mark, if you're listening, Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, that's it. Like, I feel like Mark Murphy, like, he will probably do something wonderful, but I just, I don't think that this is his element. I don't know. No, he'll make a risotto in like 10 minutes because that's what Mark Murphy does. And it's always really impressive, but it's, it's sort of the difference between Mark Murphy and Tiffany Faison where Mark Murphy always pulls off these things. It's like, hey, that wasn't at all what we asked you to do, but it is really impressive that you did that. I want to see I want to see like a required ingredient be like rice and then the required like style of cuisine be brunch and then I want Mark Murphy to make a risotto and then turn it into egg-shaped arancini and pretend that those are eggs for a brunch item. That's what I want to see happen. That was so specific. Yeah. I have very specific interests. (laughs) Hey, if you know what you're into, I'm not here to kink shame. Um, So the next matchup here is Christian Petroni and other Voltaggio, Brian Voltaggio. I feel like Christian's got this one on lock unless Brian Voltaggio really comes out and shocks me. I also don't know anything about Brian Voltaggio, so I don't have a lot of confidence in him, but I think that Christian has this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. Uh, speaking of, oof, speaking of uh, not kink-shaming, there are things that I think about Christian Petroni. <laughs> I'm just saying I've seen the way that the man loves his chickens and uh, I could cluck for him. Um, the uh, Yeah, I'm in the same boat as you, I think. I don't know enough about Brian Voltaggio to have any faith in his ability to greet, to defeat the great Hambino. I, if he does, I won't be too shocked because, you know, Michael has got to get it somewhere. Like they're, they are related, but I've got my money on Christian. Wow, I'm going to think about the phrase I would cluck for him. For the rest of the day. Um, <laughs> I'm glad. <laughs> wow. Uh, and then the last matchup is Manit Shohan versus Madison Cowan. Um, 
No disrespect. I don't know who Madison Cowan is, and I really like Manit Chohan. I think Manit Chohan wins this. Yeah, I'm there with you. I uh, I kind of know who Madison Cowan is just because we looked him up last week. Uh, but he, yeah, I mean, I think he's. I think it's going to be a really good competition. Um, but I think Manit made it pretty far last year too. I think, if memory serves, like I think she was in the semis. And yes. um, I love Manit. I think Manit is doing really cool shit with her own restaurants. I think that Manit is a like fierce competitor and a lovely person. And I uh, I would just really like to see her go far. Yeah. Uh, so with that said, we have identical East Coast bracket. I think you've got Tiffany Darnell, um, Christian Manit. Tiffany Darnell, Christian Manit. Yes. Yeah. Okay. okay. So then, who is your semifinal in the East? Yeah, my semifinal in the East is Darnell and Manit. Ah, mine is Tiffany and Manit. Okay, okay. Yeah, I only put Darnell there because I think that Darnell, like, my gut told me that as impressive as Tiffany is, Darnell might just, like, punch through it this year and, like, get there, you know? Yeah, I really like Darnell. Um, I really liked him on all the things I've seen him on, but... I don't have a lot of faith in him because he left an ingredient off and that's what got him knocked out last year. And you've got to earn my trust back after you leave an ingredient off. uh, Cause that's, (laughs) that is the Cardinal food network sin. Mm -hmm. So I, I I don't have a lot of faith in his ability to beat Tiffany who like showed up and put on 90 on the board in the first round. (laughs) I just really think she's she's a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, and you know what? Honestly, like I I do kind of agree. Like I said, this is my gut, my my initial gut instinct. Um, but I will say the thing that impressed me about Tiffany, just in terms of like leaving ingredients off or whatever, um, was that yeah, Darnell, the chip on his shoulder this season is not leaving ingredients off, right? Because that's what sent him home last time. Tiffany, after Nancy's criticism in the first round. It sounded to me like the thought that went through her head was, okay, here's another element that I now need to pay attention to in my dishes going forward, and that is the authenticity of the title of the dish, right, in terms of its presentation. And I think that if I'm right that she had that thought process, which who knows, I don't read minds, but she definitely looked like she was having that thought. If I'm right about that and she is capable of hearing that kind of criticism and immediately turning it into something constructive she's going to win this tournament. Yeah, I agree. I agree 100%. Um, interestingly enough, my winner for my semifinal of Tiffany versus Manit is actually Manit. Um, sure. I really like Manit. I really like what she's doing with her restaurants. One time I heard her say the words hot, Nashville hot tikka masala. Yep. And at that moment, I was like, yeah, all right, I'm in. Whatever. <laughs> Whatever you ever cook me, I'm always going to eat it. So I... I really like Tiffany Faison. I hope we see more of her, but I think that Manit has just been like building and building and building and building. And I I think that this is her year to do something with it. Yeah. So you've got Manit and Antonia in the finale. I've got Antonia and Darnell in the finale. Who do you have as the champion? I have Manit. Manit's my girl. I'm I'm taking Manit the whole way this year. You know what? I don't hate it. I have Antonia, but only because I feel stronger about her than I do about Darnell. And I think that if it was Antonia and Manit, I would uh, I would not know who to cheer for in that finale. So Yeah. Uh, and honestly, like we said earlier, I don't have super strong feelings about any of these matchups. You know, there are a couple. I think Antonio LaFasa and Brian Malarkey is going to be a blowout. 
I think Manit Chauhan and Madison Cohen is going to be a blowout. But other than that, I don't really know. Yeah. I, I could see anybody going the whole way. Well, that's it. And honestly, I mean, let's be real. We probably all thought Alex Guarnaschelli and Darnell Ferguson was going to be a blowout. And uh, it was, but not the way we thought, you know? Yeah, I did. I very much did. Last year in my bracket, I had ICAG going the whole way. And she lost in the first round to Darnell. So crazier things have certainly happened. Yeah. You know what I like? What do you like? I like that no matter what happens on the West Coast, one of us is going to be happy most of the time. And I also yeah. like that no matter what happens on the East Coast, we're both either going to be very happy or very sad every single round. That's true. It, it'll be really interesting to look back and see who ended up with the most points here uh, between our brackets, because it's really all going to be decided by the West Coast. Yep. What if Antonio if loses no. to Brian Malarkey? I'm going to be really upset about that. I'm going to be really upset about it, and I'm going to hope that either Jet Tila or Aaron May gets rid of Brian Malarkey. Yeah, I don't want... Yeah. You know what? Just because we said it now, Brian's going to win this thing, and we're going to have to cry for like a month and a half about it. I don't want... We don't have to commit to doing this whole podcast. (laughs) (laughs) He's saying if Brian Malarkey wins, we protest by stopping. I'm not not saying that. (laughs) Oh, man. Uh, Well, that feels like a good note for us to end on. Yeah, I think so, too. Well, for Up for Discussions, Tournament of Champions, Food Network, Guy Fieri, Review, Hashtag Food, Hashtag Podcast, I've been Tom Zalatni. I've been Hashtag Matt Cole. You can follow us on Twitter at Tom Zalatni and at MC underscore DJ underscore MC. Don't forget to check out Up for Discussion, Natural Toonie, and Left Trigger, Right Trigger, and The Pluse is Loose, which has its own feed now. Yeah? Yes, it does. And Debate This, the podcast that I'm on, not Left Trigger, Right Trigger. Oh, you shit. Check them out, too, because oh, we like them, shit. and they're also our friends. I'm a bad um, friend. No, it's okay. It's okay. <laughs> the The PodCon love, the PodCon 2 love lives on forever That's... between Debate This, Up for Discussion, and LTRT. But yeah, check out my podcast, too, please. It's called Debate This, and I like it. And while you're at it, go listen to the Joe Rogan Experience. <laughs> No, I don't even feel comfortable making that joke because I hate him so much. You guys know that he like gives platform to transphobes and shit, right? Fuck Joe Rogan. Yeah. Please stop listening Joe to Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan is a bad person. Yeah. I do not like Joe Rogan. That feels like a good note for us to end on. <laughs> what do you think, future Tom? Thanks for asking, past Tom. And thank you for listening to Up for Discussion. If you like this episode and want to help us make the show even better, head to patreon.com slash up for discussion and donate. For as little as a dollar a month, you'll be joining the ranks of fine folks like Patrick, Gabriel, Kendall and Carlea, Thomas, George Poppy, Killian, Sarah, Angelica, Anne, Andrew, Laura, Erica, Chantal, and David. Patrons get access to all kinds of awesome perks, including the ability to request topics for episodes of the show, so go check that out at patreon.com slash upfordiscussion. We also have merch, and you can hit the merch link in the description of this episode to get all sorts of great stuff from our lovely friends over at TeePublic. And of course, you can support us for free by leaving a rating and review on your podcatcher of choice and by sharing this episode with a friend. Our theme music is by Zach Ingalls, and our cover art is by David Flam. You can find links to support both of them in the description. Last but not least, the show is produced and edited by me, Tom Zalatni, as part of the Upford Network. You can find out about all the great shows on our network at upfordnetwork.com.
Hi, I'm Howard Mitnick, host of Gateway Music. Join me as I talk with people about the artists and albums that changed their lives, and about the artists and albums that changed mine. Available on the Upford Network and wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, my name is Stefan, and please join me every week for my podcast, Some Good Friends, a show where I talk to some good friends of mine. And I think you're going to like them just as much as I do because they're crazy and they're wacky and they're hilarious. And they're definitely real people and not characters made up just for the sake of comedy. It comes out every Monday early in the morning.